All right, so Laura Panera was working around her church, you know, and she encountered this 12-year-old boy. Now, he had been sent to the church to do community service because he had been charged with theft. As she was talking to him, she, she introduced herself, and they had a little chat. And then uh, the little boy said, well, what bad thing have you done that caused you to have to work here? And she said, oh, I, I didn't do anything bad. I'm just volunteering here today. He said, well, I didn't do nothing bad either. Well, why are you here then? Well, the judge sentenced me to community service, found me guilty. Well, why didn't you tell the judge you weren't guilty? Well, I was going to, but they found all the stuff in my bedroom. So, you know, that's one kind of community service. Okay, but the Bible calls us to be in community service as well. It's a little different kind of community service. God wants us to live in a community of fellowship. Listen to the definition of community. This is from Oxford Dictionary. A group of people living in the same place or having particular characteristic in common. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Eugene Peterson, theologian, author, Christian speaker says, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and embrace of community. Community is something that we're called to. You know, in our church, we've been going through this series about our mission and our vision and our values that we're kicking off. You know, we went through our vision. Hope changes everything. We talked about our mission. We've talked now about the first two core values. And we come down now to the third one, community is vital. And that's what we want to talk about today. You know, what, what does God call us to as we serve Him and become part of this community that we call the church? Um, the question I raise today is why is community so important to the church? I mean, why is it important that we involve ourselves in this thing we call church? You know, when you become a Christian, you are not just called to go to heaven. Live how you want to, go to heaven when you die. There's more to it. God leaves you here because He wants you to become part of what He's doing here on this earth. And as followers, we are part of his kingdom. We are part of his family. We are part of his community, which is called the church. I'd like for you to turn today to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. That's toward the back of your Bible, just a little bit before the last book, Revelation. And of course, John is the author of that. John wrote um, five of our writings in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the book of Revelation. And he wrote 1, 2, and 3 John. These short letters are called epistles. That was a formal letter in the days of Jesus. And these letters were sent out, the first two to churches, uh, the third one to a man named Gaius. And, and John here in the first part of 1 John chapter 1 gives us some idea about what this community should be like. So let's begin reading 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, 
our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship. Get that word fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, let's stop right there and think for a minute. First thing I want you to see is we are called to live in community with Christ and his followers. There's a lot in this passage that we could talk about, but I want to focus in on this word that's called fellowship here. In the original Greek language, it's the word koinonia. Y'all say that with me, koinonia. That's a good word. That kind of rolls off your lip. Makes you feel good to say koinonia. And it has to do with fellowship and being in community. You know, in, in, uh, in the first century, that word meant a close mutual relationship. It had to do with participating together and sharing together. It had to do with being in a partnership and a, a contribution. This uh, Lord's Supper that we had, it was a, a meal of koinonia. They came together and they took it for a common person. This word could even be used of giving a gift to somebody. So it's a closeness. Uh, we call it community in, in, in our English language today. You know, fellowship and community is not just about sharing a meal together and then getting up and leaving. It's about being melding your lives together with one another so that there's care and concern. There's that agape love that we talked about a few weeks ago. And this is what Christ is calling us to. John says that which was from the beginning there. Now whether he's talking about the beginning of creation, Jesus was there, but probably from the beginning of the starting of the church. He's saying we're called together. And John was there when Jesus came and started his ministry. And he's been there from the beginning with them. And John says, listen, I heard the man. I saw the man. My eyes looked on him. My hands touched him. I heard what he had to say. He said, we, we were there from the beginning. And I'm proclaiming to you today that this is real. And that God has called you into a fellowship with him, the Father, and with the Son. And with all the other people. That's what God has called us into. To have this common togetherness and this love for God and this love for other people. Now we're not going to all live in the same house. Let me tell you, I could never do it. Uh, the ones that I live with are hard enough. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Most of them are sitting right down here. Okay, and we have a good time, I tell you. But... God doesn't call us all to live together, but he does call us to be in this community together, that we work together for the common good to bring, uh, to bring him into this world so that others can see. Um, there's a minister, his name is, uh, is Lewis, Lewis McBurney, and Lewis had a friend that worked at a company that he did business with, and he just wanted to call and talk to his friend one day about something. And so he calls up the company. 
Of course, when he called up, he got this little voice, a female voice. Hello, thank you for calling Joy Incorporated. Uh, if you have a touch-tone phone, please select your choice at any time. If you're calling to check on your credit account, press 1. If you have questions about ordering procedures, press 2. If you would like to review our new products, press 3. If you would like to speak to a particular person and you know their extension, dial it now. If you would like, and on and on it went, okay? Well, he was in luck. He knew his friend's extension, 357. Uh, he probably would want to have a 357 after he got off this phone call. But um, after three or four rings, he heard his friend's voice. Hi, this is Joe. At that point, he said, well, hey, Joe, but he realized it was a recording. I'm away from my desk right now, and if you'd like to leave a message, you can do so after the tone. If you prefer to wait, my secretary will assist you as soon as possible. Well, he says, I wasn't particularly pressed for time, so I decided I would stay on her. Then I heard this pleasant voice. I'm sorry, I can't get to your call immediately, but if you would like to hold... Uh, you will be serviced by the first available person. In the meantime, Joy Incorporated would like to have you uh, listen to some music. Turn your speaker on and relax. If you prefer classical music, press 1. If you prefer contemporary Christian music, press 2. And on and on this went. When the call was over, finally he left a message for his friend. But the point is, and he said that, he said, you know, they communicated very clearly with me. I understood everything. I felt like they would probably get back to me. But there was no community. There was no fellowship. You know, we live in this world of press one if you want this and press two if you want that. We live in a world where people say, just text me. Uh, don't bother me. Just email me if you want to explain something to me. I, I'm guilty myself. Somebody calls and says, we'd like to tell you about this. Do you have an email? Just send me an email. I don't want to talk to you today. You know, but God calls us into a community, a fellowship together because he wants us to be in contact with each other and to help spread his kingdom throughout the world. Now let's move on to verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to be without fellowship, if we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. And this is the next thing I want us to think about, is that God desires His community to live His truth. You know, verse 5 says, God is light. Of course, when you see the word light in the Bible, it's usually being used figuratively. It's contrasted with darkness. And he says his son is light. That light brings us the truth of God. It brings truth into our world. It contrasts with darkness, which is evil and untruth. And that's where Satan wants you to go. But God wants you to be in the light. He wants you to be in the truth. And he wants you to be sharing that with other people. Um, you know, God is the one that decides what is truth and what is not truth. 
what is good and what is evil, what is dark and what is light. And God wants to call us into his wonderful light. And that light brings to us who God is. It helps us know his message to man. It helps us know his way of salvation. It helps us know his son Jesus and all the truth that he wants us to know. It also helps us understand darkness. And he sends his Holy Spirit to convict us when we stray away from his path and help us come back to the light. You know, we don't like to talk about evil, do we? No, nobody, I, I can't remember the last time where I heard somebody say, hey, I did evil last week. Will you pray for me? You know, people use it, they like a little lighter term. They say, hey, I made a mistake last week. Will you pray for me? And we like to downplay our, our sin. But the truth is, all sin is outside the will of God. And anything that we do outside the will of God is sin. And we're all guilty of it. And yet, he calls us to walk in his wonderful light. That means we dwell in his light. We strive with all of our being to dwell in his truth and live for him and to go the way that he wants us to go. It says here, if we dwell in the darkness, his light is not in us. And so we don't want to dwell in the evil outside the will of God. Listen, I, I want to take you over to a verse here, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. And probably most people in this room today could quote John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Say it with me. He gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Now, but how many of you can quote verse 17, 18, 19, and so forth? Because we usually don't even read those verses. But listen to verse 17 on. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's pretty good. He wants to save us. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's good. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict, he says. Light, truth, has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes to the light, so that it may be seen plainly what they have done and have been done in the sight of God. You see, God wants us to be in the truth. Because if we're not walking in His light, in His truth, then we have missed, we have missed the point. We have missed where God wants us to be. While Jesus was in the world, remember, He said, I am the light of the world. You remember that? And then He was preparing to leave and He said, you are the light of the world. He was talking to his disciples, but by way of them, he was talking to us because he wants us to be his light. He wants us to be the ones that bring his truth out to the world. He was light in the world, and he called us to live his light so that we could help other people see his light, his truth that he wants to bring. You know, we have a, a, a new vision that we're, we've been launching, and it says hope changes everything. 
And we believe that's a truth that God wants people to know, that, that there's hope in Jesus Christ. And if you can find Jesus Christ, it will change your life. And we firmly believe that because we got so many people in here who've had their lives changed. And we want the world to know that. We want to bring that light out to the world. There's a lot of stories out there about that hope. And you know what? A lot of you are involved in bringing the story of Jesus to other people. We, we want to hear your stories. We want you to bring us some stories of hope, we're going to call them. And we want you to email those uh, to office at CCC Bristol. If you have an encounter with somebody and, and it helps bring hope to them, we'd like to hear about that. Uh, I may even use some of them in my, in my uh, sermons, not without permission from you, of course. But we would love to hear your stories. Because we believe that hope changes everything. And that's part of the truth of God and the light that we want people to see. I want to tell you, yesterday, uh, what was our theme? Hope? Anybody remember the theme of the company? Renewing hope. There you go. Renewing hope. Man, I, I saw some hope renewed yesterday. We had over 120 women here in the church. And you know what they had yesterday? They had community. They had fellowship. There were women I saw talking I said, y'all know each other? No, we just met. But they were fellowshipping. They were eating together, and they were worshiping together, and they were praising God together, and they were hearing messages, and they were hearing testimony from people who had found God's hope and their life had been changed. And it was a wonderful, marvelous day. And a lot of work went into that. Kitty Barker and, and several other ladies, Vicki Holbrook and, and Catherine Powers and and some other ladies, I know I see Pam and Julia were helping, and uh, Kathy, I guess, helped. She helps do everything. Carol Lee is sitting back there. I don't know. I'm going to miss somebody. But there were just a bunch of women helping to pull together in community to bring this conference, to bring hope to this group of women. And I didn't hear anybody going out the door saying, it was awful, I wish I wouldn't have come. Everybody was saying, man, I'm so glad I came today. I had one lady say, I came this close to not coming. And something said I needed to come. And man, I felt so good after I left. But you see, that's what God wants. He wants us to be in community to bring His truth of hope out to the world. Now look at verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Move to chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of of the whole world. Now I want you to think about something here. It will not be a perfect community, but rather one of grace. Now let that sink in for just a minute. Because John here is talking about sin. And he says if we claim to be without sin, well, we're just a liar. Because you can look around. You can go back as far as you want to go. People of the Old Testament, they were sinners. People in the New Testament, 
they were sinners. The apostles, they were sinners. The apostle Paul was a sinner. He said, I was the chief sinner of all. Uh, uh, people in the new church, in the New Testament church, people today and people down through the ages, and you and me, we've all sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned. But it also tells us that there's good news. There is really good news. And that good news is that God has sent His Son Jesus to save us from our sin. You know, when we, when we hear that word sin, it's a word we don't like to hear today. In the original Greek, it was the word uh, hamartia. And that word meant to miss the mark. It's like you shoot an arrow and it doesn't hit the bullseye. And he said, none of us has hit the bullseye. We've all missed. And in fact, um, the Bible talks about moral depravity and rebellion against God. And even to fall short and not do what he wants us to do or to do what he doesn't want us to do. And we've all done that. We've all made mistakes. You know, that's what we like. Isn't that what we like to do when we sin? We like to call it a mistake. We don't like that word sin. We don't like the word evil for sure. But we've all done it. Anything outside the will of God is a sin. And we like to think of everybody else as being so bad, but we all have bad in our lives. And this text tells us, though, you're not going to be perfect. Don't try to lie to yourself. You will slip up. You will sometimes step out. And though we may not be as bad a sinner as another person, it only takes one sin to put you on the wrong side of God. But there's forgiveness. There's grace. And God wants to give you that grace through Jesus Christ. And the thing I want you to probably to remember is forgiveness is not permission to sin. Forgiveness is not acceptance of your sin. Forgiveness is, is not an excuse for sin. God wants us to stop the sin. In fact, He showed us how bad sin is. He nailed His Son to a cross. And He said, this is the penalty for sin. And he wanted us all to see that and to know that so that when we come to our sin, we would think, God doesn't like that. But his blood, Jesus' blood, was poured out to save us from our sin. And the Bible says that everyone who believes in him will be forgiven. You know, listen to these scriptures, Hebrews 9, 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. In Leviticus 17, 11, For the life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. But it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. You know, back in the Old Testament times, God allowed them to give an animal sacrifice in their stead to pay the penalty for their sin. But now Jesus has died for everybody, to pay the penalty for everybody's sin. And that by placing our faith in Him, our sins can be forgiven. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And because of His great love for us, He brought us grace by going to the cross 
and that brought forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, we can't work our way back to God. We can only receive it as a gift, a gift of grace, through Jesus Christ and faith in Him. This community that I'm talking about, it's a community of imperfect people. But we're not trying to remain imperfect. We're trying to serve the living God, who is a perfect God. And we're trying to live and follow His Son, Jesus, and striving to make a joyful life in this broken world by coming together to support each other, to love each other, and to spread the good news of the message of the gospel to other people. Does anybody know the name John Newton? He's an author of music. He wrote the song Amazing Grace. Is there anybody that doesn't know the song Amazing Grace? Uh, usually not. I think everybody in the world has heard that song, Amazing Grace. There's some amazing words in there. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know, those words mean more when you understand who John Newton was. John Newton was a captain of a slave trader ship. He went to Africa, helped capture slaves, put them on a ship against their will, took them back to England, sold them in a slave market against their will so that they would spend the rest of their life in slavery. But one day he got saved, and he re realized the error of his ways. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. He found hope in Jesus Christ. He was, uh, uh, during that time, he was, he was extremely distraught about the sin that he had committed in his life. But he found the grace of Jesus Christ, and he became a minister of the gospel. And he wrote that song, Amazing Grace. Those are not the only powerful words he wrote. Listen to this, he said. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be. But still, I am not what I once used to be. I am not what I... Uh, uh, I'm not what I hope to be. But still, I am not what I used to be. He also said this, Although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. One, I am a great sinner. And two, Christ is a great Savior. And that's a message of hope that we all need to hear. We are imperfect. And we are part of an imperfect church. But we have forgiveness and grace and God wants to take us to take that to the world. 1 John chapter 2 now, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone does obey his word, the love of God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Everyone who claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And that's our connection point for today. The goal of this community is to live 
as Jesus did. You know, Jesus gathered around him some of the most unlikely people in the world. I mean, you just think about who he used to build his community, the church. He used stinky old fishermen. He used tax collectors, uh, notorious zealots against the government, skeptics, prostitutes, and many other people that he called in community. And they found the grace of God through the death of Jesus Christ. And he pulled them together, and they went out, and they worked together, and they served, and they told the story, and they cared, and they reached out to others, and they taught, and they prayed for people, and they faced ridicule and persecution, but they banded together, and they followed the footsteps of Jesus, and they started something called the church that changed the world. And that's what God calls us in to do. You know, Jesus formed his community, and he wants us to be in community today. And it mattered then, and it matters now. Romans 15, 5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. He wants us to all flow together in this community. We are called to community service. I'm not talking about like that 12-year-old boy did for doing something bad. I'm talking about community service where we band together to show the light and the truth of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world so that others would come into this imperfect place and we work together to be more like Jesus and find the love and the grace of God. Community is vital. Our leadership here stands firm on the idea that we are in this together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for Jesus and what he means to us and for the fact that he established a, a community, Lord, and that community went out and worked to establish community and that community established more. And down through the ages, Lord, your church has continued on. We know, Father, there are good churches and there are bad churches, but we pray that you will help us to be a good church that bands together for a common goal, and that is to be like Jesus and bring other people to know the saving grace of Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray and praise today. Amen.